The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. You know, Arnold, that music always puts me in a really soulful mood. That's Andre Crouch. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why, huh? Take me back. Take me back. The late, great. Hey, we're going to take our time back to 1944-45, which we've been doing the first hour, the USS Missouri. We heard an interview from John Atkins, who was third-class petty officer machinist mate, and he was talking about his time on the Missouri when it left the Brooklyn shipyard, and as he was on that when the kamikaze hit and when the Japanese surrender happened. You might be very interested, folks, to know that the Missouri is now at Pearl Harbor, and there is a USS Missouri Memorial Association. And on the phone, we have Mike Carr, who's president and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association. Welcome to In Tune, Mike. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you say good morning, we say good afternoon. And by the way, it's 20 <laughs> degrees here right now, and the wind chill, I think, is about 15. Uh, it's, it's much warmer here. <laughs> <laughs> Please, just tempt us a little bit and tell us, how warm is it? Well, I've been here for some time, actually, and I haven't been outside yet, but it's a beautiful blue sky, so I suspect that uh, today will be in the 80s. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's just Our engineer terrible. Chris about fell out of his chair. <laughs> Do you know what we would give just to even have it be 50? <laughs> we would give everything for it to be about 50. Well, I know I've been in Missouri in February and March, and that's why I have a long coat. And Mike, you were here last April. You threw out the first pitch to the St. Louis Cardinals baseball game, correct? I did. That was a great experience. That was, and you were talking about the USS Missouri Memorial Association at that time. And tell us a little bit about what that association does and why it was founded. Uh, sure. When the ship was decommissioned for the last time in 1992, a group of businessmen got together here in Hawaii uh, with the idea of bringing the ship to Pearl Harbor uh, to be a historic attraction. Uh, it's kind of bow to bow with the USS Arizona. The process, of course, is that you have to put together a business plan and then make a, a, a donation uh, request to the U.S. Navy. Uh, we were competing with a couple of other cities for the honor of having uh, this great ship. Eventually, uh, with the help and influence of uh, the late Senator Daniel Inouye, the Navy finally uh, chose us. We signed the donation agreement on June 4, 1998, and when you sign, these, this donation agreement, you have 30 days to take possession of the ship. So naturally, plans had been in place for some time to, 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 to do so. So in the middle of June, uh, the ship was towed from Bremerton, Washington, first to Astoria, Oregon, where it was towed up the Columbia River to use the fresh water to clean the hull. And then it was towed across the Pacific and arrived uh, off of Waikiki on June 21st, 1998. I remember that day because I, along with tens of thousands of people, were on boats off of, off of Waikiki to watch the ship come around Cocoa Head, and then the next day it was towed into Pearl Harbor. And uh, for six months, thousands upon thousands of volunteers came every day to scrape and paint and rub and 
uh, and and eventually make the ship look uh, worthy of visitors. And uh, 20 years ago, on June 29th or January 29th, 1999, uh, we opened to the public. The mission of our association is to preserve the ship, preserve the battleship Missouri, and to share her story and place in history which we've had the pleasure and the honor of doing for eight and a half million visitors over the last 20 years. Eight and a half million. That's eight and incredible. And a half. That's, that's incredible. Oh, that is. Now, you, how did you come about? Did the government say, hey, by the way, we want to give the Missouri away to a, uh, a group uh, because we want it to become a museum somewhere? Or did you approach the government at that time, the Navy? Well, the, again, the process is you make application to the Navy, uh, when ships are decommissioned, uh, uh, they all can be either uh, scrapped or sold to other governments or put on display as living museums. There are quite a number of historic ships, uh, well over 100 uh, across the, the country, most of coast or on the east and west coast and in the, uh, anywhere somewhere near the ocean. There was actually some thought about trying to get the ship to St. Louis, back then, but uh, the uh, draft of the river is just not deep enough, and you'd have to cut off the top of the ship to apparently get it under some of the bridges and get it up the Mississippi. So that just wouldn't have worked. But as a living memorial, actually, since we're here in Pearl Harbor, which gets 3 million visitors a year, uh, the ship has an opportunity to be a successful business, which it has been, and uh, it's important because the cash flow generated by our business model gets poured back into the ship uh, to maintain and preserve and restore it. And actually, the ship right now looks magnificent. Uh, we're about ready to engage in the second half of our superstructure restoration project, uh, which will take about six months. So uh, if you come here in about a month, the after stack and the after fire control tower will be uh, encased in scaffolding and plastic as we blast and repair and, and repaint it as we did the main superstructure uh, a year or so ago. So these two projects each are about $3.5 million, and the money to do these projects comes uh, from every visitor that walks through our gate. Now, when you did the initial uh, conversion at Pearl Harbor, uh, was it in dry dock down there? Well, the ship came in 1999, uh, 10 years ago. In fact, this one, I, I've been here 10 years now. One of my first jobs was to uh, prepare the ship to go into dry dock, which we did in October of 2009 here at Pearl Harbor. Uh, dry dock number four is just barely big enough to to handle the, uh, the dry dock number four is 1,000 feet long, and uh, the ship is 900 feet long, so we, we fit right in. It was the biggest uh, ship uh, dry docked at Pearl Harbor since World War II. Uh, we were in there for three months to do repairs uh, to the hull, and we will have to do that again probably in about the year 2030. Uh, presumably that will be somebody other than me that has to worry about that. <laughs> no, it will be you. <laughs> you did such a good job That's 10 right. years ago. It will be you. <laughs> well, I'll probably, hopefully I'll do a better job because at the time I knew absolutely nothing about uh, naval uh, engineering or marine uh, naval architecture. And I don't, 
I don't pretend to be an expert now, but I know a heck of a lot more now than I did 10 years ago. And, and did you say that there, there could be the possibility of you all sailing that ship up the Mississippi if you didn't, you know, bang up all the bridges and stuff like that? Well, towed up the the river. Yeah. Uh, the, well, ship, the ship's engines can't can't really uh, be put in operation again, not without a lot of work, probably more work than it's really worth it. But uh, it didn't take too long to figure out that it would not have made it uh, all the way up to St. Louis. Well, and then, too, it would be like the Santa Maria that was brought over here. And I don't know if you know about that, when they brought the replica of the Santa Maria to to St. Louis. And in the very first storm. It broke loose from it from its mooring. It sailed across to East St. Louis, hit something and sank. Oh dear. So well, don't bring the Missouri here. <laughs> okay. Well we're not we're we're anchored to our pier with about ten mighty chains and so we're even in the even the worst hurricane, we're not going anywhere. You know the picture of the Missouri overlooking the Arizona is extremely powerful. You get a visual representation of the beginning of World War II in the Pacific Theater and the end of the war with the signing of the Japanese surrender. That, uh, you know, just looking at the ship, it, it's very uh, impressive. It's very uh, overpowering to you. And I'm, I'm sure visitors really, when they go to the Arizona, they're looking at the Missouri and they're seeing. And do you get a lot of comments about that? And, and was, was that specific location chosen for that specific purpose? Oh, yeah. And this speaks to the wisdom of actually bringing the ship here. Uh, there are very few places in this country where you can, you know, stand somewhere and get such a visceral, emotional understanding and feeling of history to stand on the surrender deck uh, of, the, of the Missouri and then look to your right and you'll see the the memorial that's over the sunken USS Arizona and understand that World War II began there for the United States and ended on the deck of the Missouri. And it's, uh, you know, and the Missouri is not abstract history in any way. It's history that you can feel and uh, see and, and, you know, imagine what it was like to serve on this incredible uh, uh, piece of technology. Even today, you know, they say they don't make them like that anymore. They definitely don't. Uh, the Missouri is an incredible example of technology. Just the, the blueprints alone for this ship weighed 175 tons. And um, so it's, uh, again, it's, it's not abstract history. Unfortunately, right now, the, uh, the dock that allows people to get off of the Navy boats and go on to the memorial has been under repair since May. So uh, you probably have heard that, you know, that there was some closures there, but uh, it's affected our business a little bit. Uh, people are disappointed that they can't actually walk on the memorial, but we're hopeful that they can get the repairs to that dock done uh, soon. Because you've got uh, the USS Missouri, you've got the Arizona Memorial, and then uh, there's the uh, Ford Island. That has its, a history of its own with the airfield there. And what, what are some other things that visitors would see in that Pearl Harbor kind of World War II historical tour? Sure. The Pearl Harbor historic sites, which we're known as collectively, includes uh, not only the Arizona Memorial and Visitor Center, also includes the USS Missouri, and we are on Fort Island. The P Pearl Harbor Aviation Museum is our neighbor here also on uh, Pearl Harbor. And uh, then there's also the USS Bofin submarine, 
Museum, which is attached to the Pearl uh, Arizona Visitor Center. So many people like to take a whole day and see all four uh, sites, and you can do it in, in a day. It's a long day, uh, but you can do it in, in a day, and that's what we hope people will do is come and, and visit all four sites and get you know different stories about the war, World War II, in the Pacific. So tell us a little bit about, so we say we come to visit, what kind of uh, what kinds of things would we see on the Missouri Memorial and the USS Missouri? I know you have uh, several kinds of tours. Can you walk through some of that, not in detail, but walk through what people would see? When people first come, they're invited to take a guided tour. It's part of the uh, admission price, and the guided tour is about 45 minutes long. Uh, that starts up on the bow, where the best pictures of the ship are. Uh, and tells a little bit of the history of the the ship as well as the history of how it came to be here. Then visitors go to the surrender deck uh, where they're told uh, about all the details that went into that 22-minute ceremony. I love taking visitors up there because I could talk for hours about uh, the surrender story. Then people go to the aft end of the ship where they're told about the kamikaze story another famous story uh, having to do uh, with the ship and its service during World War II. And that's, you know, that's about 40 minutes, those, those things, and that's uh, the guided tour. People are then invited to go down to the second deck, which is open almost from one end of the ship to the other, uh, where they, the second deck is where the main living area of the ship, so those are, there's quarters down there, there's like three different exhibits down there, uh, there's the you see the mess decks and the Truman line, you know, with the pictures of Harry and Bess, you know, walking with their trait uh, through the line when they were on board the ship, uh, and then you know some of the engineering spaces, uh, and then you end up in the wardroom, which is just forward of my office, where there's some more exhibits, um, including uh, some of the ship silver, which was just recently loaned to us by the by the state of Missouri just uh, exactly a year ago. There's another tour called the Heart of the Missouri Tour, which takes about an hour and a half, and that's really for the engineering types that want to go down uh, into the engineering spaces and see Broadway, which is the main you know engineering space on the ship. You go into the uh, fire room number four and engine room number four, and uh, those are the and so that's you know for the people that really want to get into the engineering side of of the ship. But those that small groups that you know and you have to be with a guide to go down to those spaces. So that's about it. Most people are here for about an hour to an hour and a half, and uh, there's plenty to see uh, that will keep you occupied for for that time. Now, I I assumed that your office was not on the ship, but apparently it is. So what a great thing where you're going to work. My office is actually uh, (laughs) the former damage control center uh, for the ship, which everybody on the staff here seems to think is very amusing. (laughs) and, And I look at it this way. Just the fact that you're there in Hawaii is like reason enough, okay? They could give you like the little shack at the back of the the pier somewhere, but you're in Hawaii right now with 80-degree weather. Yes. And tomorrow, of course, is a very big day for us. That's kind of the reason I know for for this call. Uh, Tomorrow is our normal Living History Day, which we have every year on the anniversary of the ship where we're open and free uh, to the public. So we're expecting 
America, and it's a, and a couple about three about three thousand people. To, uh, to, tomorrow is an especially significant day, though, because it is the anniversary of the 75th anniversary of the launching of the ship in 1944, and the 20th anniversary of us opening uh, to the public in 1999. So. In addition to all the activities that we'll be having all day tomorrow, there's a private ceremony early in the morning. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe from Missouri uh, is here. Um, the officers and crew of the submarine Missouri, which is homeported here in Pearl Harbor, will be participating in the activity, along with the officers and crew of the USS Jefferson City, which is also homeported here at Pearl Harbor. Uh, the mayor of Jefferson City uh, is here, uh, so uh, there will be speakers, uh, proclamations, uh, gifts exchanged, and then we'll have a reception uh, afterwards. Uh, this evening, uh, everybody is going over to the home of the uh, Commander Howell, who is the commanding officer of the submarine Missouri. Uh, he and his, uh, his officers and crew, have a, we have a great relationship with them. Uh, that the submarine is actually in dry dock right now, getting a new outer skin. So you know they're they're not able to do anything really on on their own ship. So they come over here uh, for their uh, crew activities, which we welcome. I bet that's very exciting for them. Uh, you know, being on a, a nuclear powered submarine and now going back to uh, the USS Missouri, which has a huge history from from World War II and Korea and also uh, Iraq. Right. Well, and they're very aware of that history, believe me. Uh, in fact, when the ship was being constructed uh, in Groton, Connecticut, we sent pieces of our of our deck, uh, which we're in the process of re- restoring uh, to them, and it's integrated into some of the designs in their in their wardroom, uh, as well as some of the uh, the plaques. So there's there's a definite connection, and the crew of that ship is. Uh, very aware of it. So tomorrow you have those uh, dignitaries going to be speaking, obviously, and uh, making their proclamations, and you're having uh, free uh, admission for visitors at that time. Any other special kinds of celebrations? You're going to have fireworks or uh, special kinds of uh, presentations, like the movement of some of the gun turrets or things like that? Uh, no, the the gun turrets are not—we can't move them uh, without, you know— powering up all the steam on the ship, which is not going to happen. So you can make uh, kind of the guns go up and down uh, a little bit, but uh, right now they're up in a a 30-degree stance, and that's that's where we intend on keeping them. Um, There will be, though, lots of upcoming uh, uh, ceremonies between now and September of 2020, when we will commemorate the 75th anniversary of the end of uh, World War II, uh, an event which Mr. Atkins uh, uh, witnessed, uh, along with there's a few others besides Mr. Atkins uh, that are still around, and they're all welcome to come and and visit the ship at our expense uh, at, at that time, and I'll try and get a message to him as best I can. Uh, but like in June of this year is the 75th anniversary of the commissioning of the ship, and I'm very proud to say that the post office, uh, uh, postal service, is issuing a stamp uh, uh, on that day, uh, commemorating the 75th anniversary of the commissioning of the ship. And then, as we get into 2020, uh, and we start commemorating the 75th anniversary of the Iwo Jima and Okinawa battles that the ship actually 
participated in, uh, we'll have more more ceremonies. So I'm sure you'll you'll hear more as time goes by. Well, you know, Arnold, I think you and I should put this down on our calendar. And as we go, what do you always say when I'm not here? You're on assignment. I'm on assignment. We could do an assignment from uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. I think we really should. We'll start looking into our tickets right now. What do you think about that, Mike? Would you be up for that? Of course. You're always welcome. Now, are are you able to stay with us for a little bit longer, or do you need to get back to your your work for the uh, activities tomorrow? Uh, No, no. I have some time. That'd be great, uh, because I have some questions here, and I, I kind of want to throw those out there. We're going to go to a break here in a few minutes. But what's, no your, problem. what's your favorite surrender story? Uh, because I know you said you could talk for hours about that, so I'm kind of, you, you spurred my curiosity there. Also, uh, a little bit information, what you know about the kamikaze story, and mm-hmm. we, we heard from John about that. And then I have another question about, you have some unbelievable kinds of exhibits and collections on the ship itself and wanted to know a little bit more about that and what those things were like. So I just wanted to kind of prompt you a little bit with that. So by the way, uh, what's the cost of somebody to come on for any of these tours like the Heart of Missouri tour or the Mighty Mo Pass? Uh, to, to come onto the ship is uh, $29. That's our, our basic retail price. Uh, the uh, Mighty Mo add-on is in another $25. Uh, people can buy a passport to Pearl Harbor for $62, which gets you admission to all of the uh, historic sites here at uh, Pearl Harbor. So that's kind of the, the uh, quick that's a good uh, value. synopsis of the costs. That's a very good value. Now, do uh, re- retired citizens or uh, senior types get a little discount, or is that just a one-flat fee? It's uh, just a one-size-fits-all. I know our engineer was kind of smiling at me because he knows I'm getting to be that kind of senior type, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> not quite there yet. Mm. Well, no, this but, all sounds so exciting, though. And I mean, to think, are you all going to videotape this or make sure that we have this archived so that our younger people, as they study the history of the Missouri and of Pearl Harbor in general, that this is not lost upon, no, I, you know, just just time? We uh, We have... Uh, documented uh, the stories of all kinds of former crewmen uh, like Mr. Atkins, uh, although I'm not sure we have his story, but I'd love to get it. Uh, but the tomorrow ceremony actually be um, on uh, Facebook Live, so you can go and watch it. Uh, it'll be starts at 7.30 our time, which would be 11.30 your time uh, right now, so uh, it'll be on our Facebook uh, Live page. You have some really good information, Facebook, uh, Twitter, your, your Pinterest site, your Google Plus site, uh, very excellent information, some unbelievable pictures of the USS Missouri. And folks, you just that would be a great thing to tune in on Facebook Live on the ussmissouri.org. Uh, you can get that from their, their uh, website. Uh, we're listening to an interview with Mike Carr. We're talking to him. He is live in Pearl Harbor right now, and he is the executive director and, excuse me, the president and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association. They are in charge of that uh, memorial and that museum that is taking place on the uh, USS Missouri. And they have been uh, doing that for the last, what, how many years now, Mike? 20 years. 20 years. There we go. Well, stay tuned to us. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.
Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Mike Carr, president and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association, and they are celebrating the 75th anniversary of the uh, USS Missouri being uh, activated, commissioned, and coming out of the Brooklyn shipyard. And a beautiful situation in Pearl Harbor. Mike, I'm looking at that picture on your Facebook page right now where the, the Arizona's there, and then you got the Missouri just watching you know, Isn't that an incredible picture? Guarding everything. It's, that it's is just, gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It actually just makes you just kind of get chills because it, it is so was beautiful. Taken, that picture was taken from the Fort Island Bridge at about 6.30 uh, in the morning. But, I mean, it really speaks to the symbolism of the two ships bow to bow and the Missouri watching out over the 1,177 men that are buried uh, with the Arizona. It, it causes you to stop and reflect, and I'm, sh- I'm sure there's many people who are—they uh, don't say a whole lot. You're just kind of taking it in uh, because of—you know, we've seen the footage uh, growing up. You know, when I went to school, you've seen photographs. My father served in the Pacific Theater when he was in the Navy, and— you know, you hear some stories, you, you talk to some, some of the guys like John and maybe some of the other veterans who served on the Missouri or who were even around Fort Island during the, the raid on Pearl Harbor. But you should be kind of just kind of taking it all in, just like if you would go to a cemetery, uh, because well, it is it a is. cemetery. It's, like, it's, it's as sacred as Arlington National Cemetery. Well, we talked before the break about some of the... Uh, some stories that you may have to share about mm-hmm. the, uh, let's start with the kamikaze story. Do you have a, any information? Because, you know, when I talked to John about that, I know there's a dent in the side of the Missouri. Uh, I know that. So um, on April 11th, 1945, the enti- during the Battle of Okinawa, the entire fleet came under a wave of kamikaze uh, attacks. Most of them were shot out of the air. Uh, one, though, made it through all the ACAC and came down and actually struck the side of the ship. Uh, the bomb did not go off, and most of the plane just fell into the water. But um, as Mr. Atkins uh, described, the, you know, one, of the, the, one of the wings came onto the ship and started a small fire. So that was quickly put out and the debris thrown overboard. But the body of the pilot was also discovered. The crew was ready to just toss it overboard, but the captain of the ship heard about it and stopped them. His name was William Callahan, and he was the first uh, commanding officer of the Missouri. And his brother, Admiral Daniel Callahan, had been killed fighting the Japanese in the Battle of the Philippine Sea two years earlier. But he stopped the crew and said, no, you know, we're going to give this young man a proper burial. And the crew was not happy about it, and so to explain himself, he actually went on the 1MC, make sure everybody was awake, and lectured the crew for a few minutes, saying, telling them uh, that, you know, even though this young man, knowing he was going to die and undoubtedly scared out of his wits, uh, still exhibited all the traits of courage and devotion to duty and love of country that I'm trying to instill in every single one of you. And so, as a consequence, we're going to give this young man a proper burial. So, they, the next day, which was April 12, 1945, they did that with a six-gun salute and uh, gave him a proper burial at sea and um, with a bugler, probably the only time there was a bugler on a, on a Navy ship. 
And that's an incredible story about, you know, not losing sight of the values that make us human, even in the midst of the horrors of war. That story, though, was uh, kind of lost to history for a long time because April 12, 1945, was the day that Franklin Roosevelt died and Harry became the accidental president. So that obviously sucked up the news cycle and the story got kind of lost. But uh, it's become one of our best-known stories now because it is such a, uh, an incredible story about uh, humanity. And when President Obama and Prime Minister Abe were here in Pearl Harbor in December of 19, uh, 2016, and they both went on to the Arizona Memorial and, you know, symbolically, you know, put that war behind us once and for all. Um, and then they had a press conference afterwards. President Obama actually told that story. And I was dumbfounded. I was sitting there. I had no idea he even knew about the story. But it he as he told the story, they were over on the other side of the harbor from where the ship is. The Missouri was right over his right shoulder as he was telling that story. And for me personally, it was an unbelievable, you know, emotional uh, moment. You know, it speaks to the leadership and, like you said, the humanity of the captain, that even yes. in the midst of war, we are, and, and John stated this, you know, he was a human being. He was another fellow human being. So That's why right. not treat him with the dignity? But what a great lesson for the crew and uh, the wisdom of the captain to, to be able to do that. That shows tremendous leadership. How about the uh, surrender story? I'm sure, you know, I watched the footage and listened to uh, MacArthur's speech. We actually played that uh, in our first hour and uh, also played the christening from uh, Margaret Truman when she smashed the champagne bottle against uh -huh. the, the hull. But what are, what are some, uh, some information we can glean from you about well, the surrender story? Sure. I mean, there's so many, but I'll try and just give you two quick ones. Um, uh, MacArthur signed the uh, surrender document on behalf of all the Allies using six pens, Douglas MacArthur, two times. The first two pens he gave to two officers who were standing right behind them, right behind him. The first one was uh, General J uh, Joseph uh, Skinny Wainwright, who had been captured uh, by the Japanese at Corregidor and had spent the entire war in a POW camp in China and had only recently been rescued from that POW camp. So as he stood behind MacArthur and he got the first pen, he was, he was 6'2", and he weighed 90 pounds in, in that picture. Oh my. The second pen went to General uh, Sir Arthur Percival, who had been captured by the uh, Japanese in, in Singapore uh, the day after Pearl Harbor, and he and, and had spent most of the war in a POW camp in, in Burma. So together, the two of them uh, were there symbolically representing all the POWs um, who had uh, endured and survived, and or those who even who didn't survive, uh, imprisonment during during World War II. So that was pretty significant. You know that is interesting because I did watch that that footage and I saw him give those pens, and I was like, well, I wonder, you know, why those two? What you just explained it, and that's mm -hmm. that perfect explanation. The last pen, the the sixth pen he used was actually a pen that his wife had given him at the beginning of the war to kind of remind him to write home once in a while. And he gave that pen back to her, and she carried it with her every day uh, for the rest of her life. Now that's another a story, very heartening uh, story. <laughs> another uh, story you might enjoy is uh, when the uh, 
all the rest of the allied nations signed the uh, the the documents there were two sets of documents a japanese copy and an allied copy and the canadian representative was so nervous uh, that when he signed the first copy, the Japanese copy, he signed on the wrong line. He signed below the name of Canada rather than above. And so everyone else who came after him, there were three more, also had to sign on the wrong line. And at the end of the ceremony, the documents were handed to uh, Shigemitsu, who was the foreign minister, and he handed it to his aide, a gentleman by the name of Kase. Kase had been educated in the United States and, you know, I think at Princeton and spoke English perfectly. He looked at the document and saw that it was uh, screwed up. It was messed up. And so he immediately walked up to MacArthur and said, look, this is wrong. And MacArthur looked at it and said, you're right, it's wrong. And he handed it to his chief of staff and said, make it right. So the chief of staff had to then line out the incorrect country under the signatures and write in the correct signature, uh, country and then initial it. So if you look at the copies uh, which we have on display uh, up on the surrender deck, they're, they're just copies, obviously not the real thing, you see that they're different because on the Japanese copy uh, the signatures are all messed up. Uh, but, you know, the joke, uh, so the uh, the person who signed for Canada was a colonel. His name was Colonel Cosgrave, and everybody else who signed was either an admiral or a general. So the joke is that you you don't send a colonel to do a general's uh, job. <laughs> That's absolutely right. That's a great story. I would never know. You know, those are the kinds of things, folks. That if you oh, I got a lot more too. <laughs> well, you have to go out to the USS Missouri uh, Memorial to learn more of these stories. And one more question for you, Mike, before we let you go. We're listening to Mike Carr, who is the president and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association. The kinds of exhibits and collections, you mentioned too, you have copies of those surrender documents. What other kinds mm-hmm. of things? Because I'm a, a big history buff. I know Ellie is also. And uh, my wife and I, we read everything. We like to look at that stuff. It's, you know, you can touch it sometimes, sometimes you can't. But what do you have out there? Well, down on the second deck, there are three main exhibits. Uh, the one exhibit is the Kamikaze exhibit, actually. We decided to tell more about that story. It was initially just supposed to be a temporary exhibit uh, when we were uh, uh, celebrating the 70th anniversary a few years ago. But it's been so incredibly well-received that we are now going to, about ready to knock it down, actually, next week, and um, uh, rebuild it and make it permanent and uh, dedicate it uh, when we have the 75th anniversary of that event in early uh, 2020. So that's one exhibit. There's also the cruise room exhibit, which tells the story of the life of the ship through the eyes of the crewmen. And there are so many artifacts in that exhibit, you know, I can't possibly describe them all, but, you know, uh, letters and photographs, copies of documents, you know, little mementos like copies of the original surrender cards and uh, uh, pictures that, you know, describe life on board all the way through the, the again, the, the ship service in the, uh, in, in the Persian Gulf in, in the late uh, 80s and early 90s. There's also a World War II uh, exhibit uh, down there, which has uh, pieces of the Oklahoma 
because where we are uh, berthed right now at Pearl Harbor is the exact spot where the Oklahoma was and where it capsized, and it also lost 400 men uh, in, 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 in that incident, too. And then you come up into the wardroom, as I mentioned. Uh, we have stories about uh, the other ships that were named after the great state of Missouri. Uh, uh, our ship is the, is the fourth. Submarine is, is, is the fifth. Uh, the the first uh, uh, Missouri was one of the first steam-powered uh, uh, ships in the U.S. Navy. It actually caught fire and sank in Gibraltar in 1842, caused a big diplomatic row between the United States and Great Britain. And then there's also a model and some stories about the first battleship Missouri, which was BB-11, which was part of uh, Teddy Roosevelt's Great White Fleet that sailed around the world in 1908-1909. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we have some of the ship's uh, silver here, which was recently uh, donated to us by the by the state of Missouri. There's, and we so we tell that that story. There's actually 300 some odd pieces in the entire set. Almost all of it at this point is in the governor's mansion in Jefferson City. But we're proud to have a few pieces here that allow us to uh, to also tell that story. And then we also have a display of Captain Callahan's sword. Uh, so we're honoring him as well with his uh, with his sword here. So. That's just, you know, uh, a small part of uh, what you can see when you come and visit the ship. Now, I know at one time the the uh, ship's bell was at the Capitol, and I don't know, has it been returned to the ship? No, it's still in the Capitol, in the in the main uh, lobby uh, there of the Capitol in Jefferson City, the, all, the, all the way down to the end. The bell is down there along with a, uh, the, one, a copper model of the ship. There are two of these copper models that were, were made, uh, in order to test how radar bounces off the ship. But we have, so the, there's one there in the state capitol, and we have the other one here. Unbelievable. Mike Carr, President and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association, want to thank you very, very much for what you're well, doing my to, pleasure. to keep uh, the memory and the history of the USS Missouri alive and well. And uh, I greatly appreciate your time today. It's been very, very informative, and we really look forward to getting out to uh, Hawaii to to visit you and talk to you in person. Absolutely. Very good. I, I look forward to it. And try and make your visit sometime in January or February. <laughs> That's right. Yes. When it's a balmy 80, right? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks All so right. much, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Take care. You're very welcome.